0: It's the last Friday of January 2022, and you already know the drill here. We get to meet another amazing person at the helm of things in our Meet the CEO series. This week, we meet Raxio Uganda's James Viarohanga, and he tells the story of what it takes to build the first carrier-neutral data center in Uganda. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse and everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter, at The K Financial, and you can find me at Ritha Dong. James Hanga is the general manager of Raxio Uganda. He has over 20 years of experience in the IT industry, having served as manager for several leading telecom companies and internet service providers. Is that all there is to him?
1: So James Hanga, I'm a from Kawale, from the land of the hills. Uh, we like to call it the Switzerland of Africa. I'm um, 43 years old this year. Um <laughs> yeah I'm growing only younger <laughs> and um yeah I'm basically an i t professional. My background is in network engineering um but the last fifteen years or so I've been mostly in management uh from tech management um to commercial management in terms of sales and marketing, and now I'm doing more general management um, basically, but still within the tech field um, i man of many ambitions I'm interested in tourism interested in farming. I'm interested in hospitality. And at the same time, I've invested in uh, some of the areas around there. Um, I'm also interested in startups. So I have a couple of startups i have been on my wing. Generally, I'm a happy-go-lucky person.
0: What has the Roxy Uganda journey been like in the last three
1: years? Um, it's been an interesting journey. The last three and a half years uh, basically have been about building uh, what I want to call an iconic project. Um, the first Carrier Neutral Data Center in, in Uganda, um, and I guess we'll explain a bit more about why we like to specifically call it Carrier Neutral. But it's like the first commercial data center in Uganda uh, or pure commercial data center in Uganda. Um, it's in the middle of Namave, uh, which is a mission to get to, but it's, you know, it's, a, it's the fastest growing industry park in, in the country. And it's also basically a project that is supposed to really expose Uganda to the internet and to the internet revolution. It's supposed to be a way to actually bring uh, the internet growth um, into the country and also be a bridge or a gateway of the internet from Uganda to the rest of the world. Um, it's also supposed to really attract cloud computing as it's popular across the world into the country, um, bringing the internet of things to life, uh, bring artificial intelligence to life. It's supposed to generally stimulate and catalyze um, the entire IT um, or digital ecosystem of the country. So it's been a three and a half year mad drive to get there. But now we're operational so excited.
0: How intensive is the investment in setting up a data center?
1: Um, I mean, from a cash perspective, which everyone kind of like likes to think about, it's, uh, it's a $15 million project for Raksio Uganda. One, we call this Raksio UG1, the one that's in Namamve. Um, we have an ambition to build Russia UG2 uh, starting this year. Um, and there's a very likelihood that maybe next year or the year after we're we'll going to build Russia UG3. And I want to be focused on the oil and gas sector. So uh, this current investment here is 15 million US, And in terms of time, I could say it's a lot more. Uh, it's It's been one of those projects that uh, you'd say really is is, is groundbreaking. And especially because it's cutting-edge technology, so almost everything we've installed in this facility is not anywhere else in the country. Uh, It's first time in Uganda to install it. It's first time in Uganda to maintain it. So we've had to fly in a lot of specialized engineers to pass on skills to our in-house team as well as to maintenance teams within the country. Uh, We've had, of course, all kinds of nightmare integrating systems um, that are brand new, even on the international market, uh, into, you know... um, what you'd call a more legacy type setup. So it's, it's um, yeah, I would say it's mind-blowing.
0: Can you walk us through some of the milestones you've been able to achieve in the three years of doing this?
1: Yeah, first of all, just actually delivering the project. That, that, that in itself is, um, I would say it's an achievement big enough for me to actually just retire and go and say, you know what, let me be a small farmer in my village and I can ha- have all the children around come and I tell them, but, you know, once once upon a time, I built a data center. Um, I led the project to build the center in Uganda and it's, it's it's a huge achievement to be able to actually build it. Uh, but I would say, from a project milestone perspective, um, building a, a, a facility is just one thing. But it's it's a, it's of course the whole thing. The project's way bigger than that. So first and foremost, sensitizing the market over the last three years about. Um, The evolution of data centers, the evolution of telecoms, the evolution of technology, and why data centers are becoming so central um, to to the needs of of digital economies um, has been, I think, one of the biggest achievements we've had so far. So we've had a a massive sensitization drive for three and a half years just telling people about data centers and and what role they play. So that's been a huge milestone all the way until commercial launch when we are able to actually Um, you know, bring the dignitaries in the country, the big corporates in the country to be able to come into the facility and also understand what we've been doing. So that's been a big milestone. And then um, the connectivity achievement, being able to pull all the fiber cables in the country into this facility with two different routes. So being able to actually have um, every fiber network that is in Uganda have presence here so that uh, basically it is like the one point in Uganda where everything, um, you know, connects to each other. Uh, so that was also quite quite a big challenge, uh, but we've now managed to achieve all that. Um, the other milestone would be basically onboarding customers, uh, getting people to trust our brand, uh, to trust our approach to things, and be able to actually bring the equipment um, for co and getting a pipeline to basically go on and continue to bring more customers. So that's great. Um, we've also had a couple of other big milestones. For example, we managed to attract the Ghana Internet Exchange Point uh, to come and create a point of presence. So we are now one of the two locations where they are, they are available. Uh, we think we are more scalable than maybe the old location. So we see bigger growth here. Um, also, being able to actually work with the Ghana Internet Exchange Point, to attract uh, Google to extend their network into Uganda, uh, which is going to happen in the course of next month. So that's like really massive milestone.
0: Let's talk challenges. How hard is it being a pioneer in Uganda?
1: Being the first in the market and the challenges that you run into, um, I mean, it's quite, it's quite obvious. It's like spreading a religion. Uh, you will always struggle with uh, adoption, right? Um, the first question always being, if I can do it in-house, why outsource or why go out of home? Um, so we've had to take quite a bit of time to just really um, uh, explain the new way of doing things, the difference between how we, we approach this and how the customer approaches it. And, and the, the main thing being uh, the cost, the total cost of ownership of doing it in-house. Do you want to have your own air conditioning, your own generators, your own fire suppression system, yeah, your own connectivity solutions, your own hardware for almost everything? You might need to spend like a billion dollars for an in-house solution that you would rather use on your whole business. Right. So the model we are spreading is basically shared infrastructure is use your money for what is what the rightful purpose is and then use an operational expense model to sort of basically continuously run the critical IT infrastructure that you need because the total cost of ownership being here is much lower than you're doing it in-house. So being able to sell that message is difficult and it's even more difficult around the public sector because um, budgets are different um, and performance is measured differently. So their the, the KPI structure uh, or key performance indication structure is very different from the private sector. So the private sector understands it and they get it, and they, they, they also understand being part of a bigger ecosystem. But the public sector is a bit more, is a different ballgame, yet they have the same requirements. The public sector is a bit different, but also we have a, a strong value proposition for them because the public sector or the private sector is useless. The reverse is also true. So being able to actually get them to also understand they need to be able to sit in the same room with the private sector and integrate. So that kind of uh, evangelism we have to do um, to get the message out is very difficult, um, especially when you're fast, right? The second that center becomes easy or the second player becomes easy because the ground has been broken. So we are the missionaries in this case and uh, we're basically trying to, you know, spread the word.
0: COVID-19 was a curveball to many. How much of an effect did it have on Raxio Uganda?
1: Yeah, so we had, uh, 2020 was basically uh, a mess. Um, being able to try and run shipments uh, of all equipment within a, within a COVID uh, period was difficult. No workers because of the curfews um, and you know the, the different lockdowns that came about, lack of travel because we couldn't install this equipment with the resources in the country. We had to basically find people uh, in the middle of lockdowns, that was extremely, extremely difficult. So I would say the lockdown was uh, potentially a showstopper, but we sort of navigated it. So that really pushed the project out by an extra year. Uh, we lost a whole year uh, on project timelines because of that. Of course, there's an effect on, on the cash on financing because of that, but we've been able to renegotiate this.
0: Let's talk operating environment. As a groundbreaker in this field, how has your experience been in regards to support from the government?
1: We have also had significant support from the government, um, especially because of the location of the site. It's within the industrial park, and the industrial park comes with its, you know, its, its parks, right? So you get, you get um, some exemptions here and there to be able to actually you know, be, um, to be able to invest. Um, we've worked very closely with the Ministry of Finance and 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 the Uganda Revenue Authority uh, to get some kind of concessions, depending on the size of the investment. And these are provided for by the law, so that has been easy. Uganda Investment Authority has also been very supportive. Uh, the Electricity Regulatory Authority has been very very um, you know cooperative as well, because this is a high power consuming um, unit. It's a we're, we're designed for one point five megawatts of power and that's quite a huge amount of power consumption. Uh, But a country like Uganda, which is facing a power surplus situation with about four dams uh, all in full production and the fifth coming up, which is even bigger, um, we need the industries to, to consume this power, but of course also consume it. Bearing in mind that this is now climate change, you know, period. So we need to keep green in some areas. So we might consume a lot of power, but we basically need to consume it wisely, right?
0: What's the expansion plan for the Waxi Group across the continent?
1: Okay, uh, so generally, like uh, my personal opinion uh, on this, of course, we need to kind of back it up with market um, reaction, is that we need to have at least two data centers within Uganda uh, in the next two, two years. Um, so this first one is up and running. Second one is going to basically be built. Uh, latest, by 2025, we should have... Um, UG1 and UG2, right? Um, also, based on the timelines that are coming on with the oil and gas sector, there's a huge need uh, to support all the operations that are in the Albertine side. Um, obviously, there's the big players, the Thar and Sino, uh type players, who are going to build the industry parks. Um, there's a new international airport, uh, which is coming up. There's a whole refinery being built. There's an oil pipeline, uh, eco pipeline being built. And the whole petrogas and, um, and, um, the industry that's coming up around that industry park, the Nevada well, Industry Park is about, I think, 14 square kilometers of industrial park. Uh, you can imagine all the petrochemical industries and how it comes up, plastics and uh, um, cosmetics and everything that you can imagine. So that needs to be supported. So there's a need for a facility there. We might need faster of that and maybe it might be smaller than these kind of facilities, but they need this there, and it's, it's, it's a big requirement. And that's just basically for Uganda. And Uganda is great because we get to support Rwanda, uh, DRC, South Sudan, because it's very nicely located. Um, in terms of our group plans, um, based on uh, what we've been discussing from a group level, um, Ethiopia, Kote uh, d'Ivo, um, Maputo, Mozambique, Nishasa, um, and Tanzania have to basically be up in the next two years. So we've already actually got teams on the ground. Um, some of them are in construction, some in uh, site acquisition, some in site preparation, uh, but basically uh, the funding is already approved for those, you know, to see those coming up. Uh, we are also seeing needs for two sites in some of the countries. As I mentioned, DRC is the kind of country you can't cover with one site. So you definitely need two sites in there, Kishasa and, and Obashi, um type uh, deployment. Uh, but then we also have a pipeline of, potential account countries to go to. The dream is to build 10 sites in the next five years. So places like Vindok in Namibia, uh, there's a need to go there, Lusaka, Zambia. It's definitely one of the guys that was also on our radar. But our focus is basically Greenfield. Markets that don't have any data centers, sub-Saharan.
0: That was James Barhanga, General Manager at Waxi Uganda, with an enlightening conversation on the first carrier neutral data center in Uganda. Our Meet the CEO series will be back next Friday with another guest. Now, a quick review of the series making it into the podcast. In Gabon, the latest price index figures published by the General Directorate of Statistics indicate that inflationary pressures in Gabon remained mild towards the end of 2021. CPI inflation ticked up from 1.3% yon year, year in November to 1.7% yon year, year in December. On a month-on-month basis, it rose by 0.4%. And as a result, inflation averaged a mere 1.1% last year, down from 1.3% in 2020. Although food price inflation remained muted throughout 2021, it ticked up slightly. In the latter months, as it rose from 1.7% year on year in November to 2.1% year on year last month, its highest level for the year. The prices of fish increased by 4.6% year on year, Cooking oils were up 18.6% year-on-year, rose the sharpest last month, while bread was notably cheaper than a year earlier. Overall, food price inflation averaged 1.3% in 2021. Housing costs remained largely stable last year. On average, it rose by 0.2% in 2021 after increasing by 0.3% year-on-year in December. Water, electricity, and gas prices remained flat. Meanwhile, Transportation costs rose by 1.8% year-on-year in December, after which it averaged at 2.7% for the year. The South African Reserve Bank lifted its benchmark repo rate by 25 basis points to 4% at its January 2022 meeting, as widely expected. This is the second consecutive hike due to increased inflation risks and despite the economy still recovering from the fourth wave of COVID-19 infections driven by the Omicron variant. The committee believes a gradual rise in the repo rate will be sufficient to keep inflation expectations well-anchored and moderate in the future path of interest rates. In December, headline inflation accelerated farther to 5.9% above the market expectations of 5.7% and moving closer to the top of SARB's target range of three to six percent headline CPI forecast has been revised slightly higher to four point nine percent in 2022 versus a 4.3% in November, but lower to 4.5% in 2023 versus a (laughs) 4.6%. Meanwhile, the GDP growth projections were kept unchanged at 1.7% for 2022 and 1.8% for 2023. The central bank's model indicates gradual normalization in the first quarter of 2022 and into 2023 and 2024. And a look at our markets. The Johannesburg Stock Exchange or Shares Index paired early losses but was still down by 0.9%, around 73,170 on Thursday afternoon after the South African Reserve Bank decided to lift its repo rate by 25 basis points to 4%, amid increasing inflationary pressures and subdued growth. Earlier in the session, tech companies and gold stocks dragged the Johannesburg Stock Exchange sharply lower after U.S. Federal Reserve Chairman uh, Jerome Powell signaled that it was ready to raise interest rates as early as March and warned about the potential for even more inflation going forward meanwhile authorities and the South African government expected to discuss further adjustments to lockdown restrictions as the country continues to see a drop in COVID-19 cases thank you for always waking up with us good morning Africa is a product of the K financial and if you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is the kfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial, And you can find me at Vizadong.